Welcome to the Live Full Podcast. We exist to help you experience full life in Christ. We just started our Live Full Daily Podcast, which is really exciting. This means that you have access to our devotional every single day. And not only that, we will also be releasing episodes like this where we interview and learn from different leaders in the faith, along with additional episodes that are conversations with just Joey and I that will help you experience full life in Christ. Today, we'll be interviewing Kylie White. She's a mom of four and married to her college sweetheart, John. Joey and I actually go way back with her. We know her from a church we were a part of back in college, and she's been instrumental in our walks with Jesus because of her faith and steadfastness through really hard circumstances. In this episode, we talk about Kylie's incredible testimony of healing, and she also takes us through how her healing changed her relationship with God and opened her eyes to the Spirit's power. So you don't want to miss this. Let's dive in. Kylie, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Um, for those listening, I need them to know that I'm like, oh, we go way back to when I was in college, which was really sweet thinking about this call today. It was making me remember like when I was a college student at Chapel Hill, Kylie's, Kylie and John, John is Kylie's husband. Um, their house was like the house to be at. I'm like, I just have so many memories where my friends and I, we'd be on campus or something and they'd be like, oh, we're going to Kylie and John's. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I don't know what my plans were for the rest of the day, but I'm going to drop them and I'm going to go to Kylie's house. She just, her and John just have such a gift of hospitality and like I mean, I feel like we just like lived there some of the time. We're like going in your fridge. Did you actually or... live there at one point? I stayed. I stayed a couple. Like I stayed yeah. a couple nights. So she's not being that. metaphorical. Like she actually. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is so sweet. And this is kind of funny, but you're. I don't know if you knew how much I was obsessed with your dog uh, <laughs> at the time, Pixie. <laughs> It was like, y'all were like a family for us. It was such a sweet season for us because you were so encouraging to be around and for our kids to see students ahead of them. Like y'all were the role models and the, like that they thought that y'all were their friends. Like our friends are coming over today. Right. So it was just such a sweet season for our whole family. Oh yeah. It's, it's so special to that's, those are some of my favorite memories. And so it's really special to, have you on the podcast today, Kylie? And you have such such an incredible healing testimony, and that I'm like, I just want everyone to know about. And so, would you just fill people in on what God has done in your life? Yeah, it's been such a wild journey. I mean, I never would have thought this is my story, but um, you know, it started in the most random of places. John was on a work trip and watched a documentary on seeing eye dogs out of all things. Comes home. I had never even been to the eye doctor, never worn glasses, no problem. He comes home and he's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I watched this documentary and I can't get it out of my head. Like all this lady had all these weird symptoms and I've seen them all in you. Like you've got to go to the eye doctor just to get it off my chest because he was like scared. So I was like, mm-hmm. we kind of joked about it because I was turning 35 that year. And so I was like, well, I guess it's time for glasses. But I could tell in his face, like he was really worried about something bigger. 
So I made an appointment at like the equivalent of vision works, like thinking I'm going to get my glasses at 35. And um, I remember as January 9th and walk in there and she does the, you know, read the letters on the wall. And she was like, you're 2020. Like, cause I kind of told her like, Oh, I'm really scared. I think something might be wrong. And she was like, Nope, 2020, like perfect. So I explained like the documentary and the weird symptoms I was having, which I was tripping a lot. I was not being able to find things like on a counter in front of me. I was, you know, like almost walking into stuff, all these different kind of things. And she was like, well, let's just do a quick peripheral test. She's like, look at my nose. I'm going to hold up two finger or I'm going to hold up fingers. You tell me how many. And so she was like, all right, let's go. And she puts her hand up and she's like, how many fingers? And I'm like, I don't see your arm, your hand, your elbow. Like I can barely see your shoulder. And she just like got these huge panicked eyes. And she's like, I need to talk to a colleague. She's calling in people, calling in people, rushing me off to scans and retinal imaging and all these things. And I could tell like they had never seen this before at this little glasses shop. So she calls me in at the end, brings two colleagues in. And she's like, you either have a brain tumor pressing on your optic nerve and that's causing you to go blind or you have a degenerative disease that's causing you to go blind. She was like, you've already lost 60% of your sight. And I was like, wow. what? Like, how can you see 2020 and be going blind? Like, it didn't make any sense to me because I thought I could see perfectly. So that was like really earth shattering of like, not in the sense of like, I was destroyed, but in the sense of like, whoa, I was not expecting this. I never would have thought something like this could have happened. And my first thought went to like my kids. I was like, if it's the brain tumor option, like- I already, ha we have two of our kids are adopted. I'm like, I can't orphan them again. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that was my first thought. And so she got me connected with a specialist. And luckily a week later, they got, John came with me the second time. He was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't go with you. I was like, it's okay. We thought we were getting glasses. But um, that next week they confirmed I had retinitis pigmentosa, which is a degenerative eye disease which takes like basically your rods and cones are dying. So it takes your vision, night vision first, and then peripheral, it starts like going into a tunnel until the tunnel gets so small that the tunnel closes. So, and I was at 60% gone. So I was like, you know, already to hear tunnel vision at that point. But it was such an amazing experience to sit in that office as this lady like spoke my diagnosis over me. It was almost like, God quieted her voice and instead like spoke over her. Like it was, it was nearly audible. Like it was like, she kind of started, you've got this disease, you've had it since birth, you've been, it's been progressing all along. And it was like, immediately God spoke over, like I knit you together. I formed you in your mother's womb. Like none of this is, is surprised by me. Like I am in control of this. And then she was like, you're going to need to learn how to use a cane and you're going to need to learn the functions of your phone and all these things. And like maybe apply for a dog, seeing eye dog. And, and as she started saying all the obstacles, it was like, you know, he was just speaking over top, like I'm guiding you, I'm leading you. This is a journey of purpose with us together. And it was almost like this hand came out of invitation. Like, can we walk this together? And so it was strangely the most like, you know, off-putting news, but at the same time, like this weird excitement of like, where's God going with this? Like, I know this is an invitation to something. And it was almost this strange excitement, which doesn't make any sense for that appointment. And that's the only thing I can compare is to like some sort of piece that didn't make sense was like, okay, God, let's go. Like, 
let's do this together. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Um, but you know, as the, as the appointments progress, like that first appointment, she was like, you'll probably lose your sight in the next 20 years. And I was like, okay, that's not so bad. And, you know, as appointments came and went and came and went and more genetic testing and, um, more specific testing, they were like, you probably have four to seven years left of sight. So, you know, I think that was, it was a series of surrenders and a series of grieving, you know, the, what could have been and the things that you just expect to happen in your life. Like I wanted to see my kids graduate and get married and help with grandkids and kind of thinking, okay, I'm going to have to surrender what I thought that was going to look like to a God who's in control. And so it was almost like a series of like putting things on the altar, like, okay, what about this? I'm going to just give it up. Like, but not to a God who's like, good. I've been looking forward to taking this the whole time, but to a God who's like walking me through this and giving me peace. And, and it was almost like, I thought of the disciples when they're like, where else are we going to go? Like, what are my other options here to walk this out? I can walk it out with bitterness and like, why me? And this isn't what I want and cross my arms and pout. Or like, I can say like, okay, God, why not me? Like, what are you going to do with this? Is it bringing people to Christ. And actually, even in y'all's college group, one night, I don't even remember the girl's name. She came up to me and she was like, I told my rowing team your story because I was diagnosed while y'all were at my house. Yeah. And she was like, or while while we had y'all's college group, and she was like, two girls came to Christ. And so I remember being like, yes, Lord, like I'll go blind 20 times over if this keeps happening, like use it and don't waste a drop. And so it almost energized me to start walking through it as I saw God bringing these purposes about, if that makes sense. And for context, people tracking with the story, when when did you get the diagnosis? January of 2019. January 2019. Okay. And so as you're continuing to go to the appointments, the outlook is only getting worse and worse, but also it seems like the Lord is only growing in your heart, this assurance of, I'm in this. I'm working through it and you're already, we, we kind of know, we know the end of this story, which is really exciting, but even if that end didn't come, like already there's so much evidence of the Holy spirit strengthening you with faith through that suffering, uh, encouraging on its own. And it seems like God worked through it. So bring us from January, 2019 up to the, the point of being in the small, I think it was a small group environment where the Lord moved in power. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was like you were saying, like it was, you know, as my vision was going outside in smaller, 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 it was like, God was taking my spiritual sight, like inside out. Like Mm. it was like, see me bigger here, see me bigger here. And like one verse that was so powerful to me in this time was second Kings six, 15 through 17. And it's talking about, um, Elisha and the servant. And it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And then his response, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? And that's like, that's me. That's me when I respond to a circumstance is like panic and fear. And then like self-sufficiency, like, okay, I got to muscle through this. I got to make a plan. What should I do? If I just do these things, I'll get this outcome. And then it was like the Lord like totally rocked my world when it was just like, okay, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. 
Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so it was just like this this topic God kept unearthing for me of like, there's physical sight, but then there's spiritual sight. Mm. And yes, physical sight is important for daily life and these sort of things, but it's so temporary and it's so misguides us when we look at our circumstances with physical sight. And so it's like, okay, I can look at this diagnosis with physical sight. I'm going to go blind. I'm not going to be able to cook, drive, see my kids do this. But the Lord was inviting me to see bigger, like see him bigger. And I think like the one of the best gifts of this time was like seeing him in a way that I couldn't see him before. And so like, it was almost like a reintroduction to the Holy Spirit, like realizing I knew God and I knew Jesus, but like, how had I ignored the third person of the Trinity? Kind of like, I don't understand that one. So I'm just going to be like, he's neat, but I know Jesus, you know, and and God was just like, let me show you who he is. Let me show you what you have access to in the spirit. Let me show you how to walk in the spirit and who the personality of the Holy Spirit is. And so that was really cool. And like this access to spiritual sight and seeing God bigger than kind of, we just put our lens on God of like, he's kind of like a perfected version of a human. And it's like, no, it's like altogether separate. And so how are we looking at these things of life, like these circumstances, are we looking at it with physical sight and panicking and making our plans and relying on our own strength? Or are we asking for spiritual perspective and leaning into like, okay, I've got chariots of fire around you, but you're looking at, oh, these guys are big and and I don't know if we can do it. You know, it's just, that's the, that's the offering here is how do you want to live? Do you want to live looking small through our little tunnels or do you want to live like you know, seeing what's actually happening and the invitations of the spirit and the ways he's moving behind the scenes. And so it was such a growing um, opportunity for me to really see God in a bigger way, see forgiveness in a bigger way, grace in a bigger way, you know, all these things that I think I read the Bible with kind of like my own lens of hurt or, you know, misunderstanding or misguided beliefs. And you kind of put these lies on the Lord of like, well, I guess you kind of act like this. Like you kind of close the Bible and miracles are done and you might see some salvations and this sort of stuff, but you don't act like you did in, you know, your ministry days, do you Jesus? Or like acts, you know, why are we not seeing that kind of stuff? And so I kind of realized I had kind of put some lies on and limited God to how he acts. And so we moved to Atlanta in that time and a, a girlfriend connected me with a mentor. So I was, it was right out of COVID. I was like, I need community. So she connected me with a mentor. And as we were talking that first meeting, I told her about my diagnosis. And she was like, well, have you ever prayed for healing? And I was like, no, like, I'm really not even interested in healing. Like, I just want to walk this out with purpose. And, and she was like, well, tell me like some verses that have anchored that for you. And I remember saying like, oh, you know, in John 9, when the guy's going blind and they're like, hey, is it his sin or his parents' sin that he's born blind? And it's and Jesus says, neither. It's so that the work of God might be displayed in him. And I was like, that's my anchor. Like, I just want the work of God to be displayed in me. And she was like, that's very true. She was like, but you know he's healed two verses later, right? <laughs> I love that. Oh, I didn't think about that. She was like, well, why don't you just pray through why you're not asking for healing? Because even it's not about the outcome of healing, but you know, what if the Lord wants to journey with you on like, is it a, is it an unbelief issue or is it a block or is it, 
you know, is there something going on there where you're not asking? Um, so I kind of like got a little cynical inside, like, oh, this lady wants me to ask for healing. I don't know about that, but I'll ask, you know? And so she was like, I just challenged you to read Matthew through Acts and and pray through it. Like, why am I not asking? So I remember reading and like, you know, once you've read these books so many times, it's kind of like, I know Matthew through Acts. I know what happens. But once I started reading with that intentional lens, it's like you see it everywhere. Like I'm like, Jesus healed so many people. And, And every time I read another healing, it was like, this gentle invitation to not an outcome, not like, hey, you're going to get healing, but instead like, what do you want? And why are you not asking? And do you believe that I could? And so it almost became a dangerous question for me because I realized that asking him would risk disappointment. And I really didn't want to bring that into my relationship with the Lord because it was almost easier to accept it and try and walk it out with peace rather than have this question looming that it could be a no or could be years and decades of waiting and then get a no. Like it was almost scary to me to, to step into that question. And so, you know, Matthew went by, Mark went by. I'm like, no, I'm not asking. Like, and then like, by the time I got to the end of John, I was like, oh my goodness, he's asking me to ask. Like Mm -hmm. he's not asking me to commit to the outcome or think it's going to come. He's just asking me to ask because I'm his child. And so, um, March 31st, I was in a Bible study at the time. Um, and I was, I had already lost my license that night and in the rain, but I was still allowed to drive during the day for like three more months. I had to give it up in June. And this was March 31st of 2021. And so I'm driving to Bible study. I've got worship music on and I'm not even thinking about what I've read or any of that. And I'm like, it was just an invitation to ask. And I was like, if I don't ask, I'm acting in disobedience at this point. He's invited me to ask. So I was like, okay, God, like, I trust you. I believe you can do it. I've watched you do it, you know, all through the Bible. I believe you're still doing it. I believe you have the power to do it. Like, would you restore my sight and and take back, you know, give back what's been taken? And and it was almost like immediately after I said it, like this question I had prepared four months to ask, it was like, I went on like, okay, that's done. I've, I'm fine with it. Like, whatever you choose, you just asked me to ask. So I go into Bible study that day. We had been meeting half on Zoom, half in person, because this is still 2021. And it's the final session. So the ladies we've been watching on video are there because it's the final session and the, you know, big goodbye or whatever. So we the lesson is on the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit, like how in Greek, the power was dynamo and how dynamite, when that goes off, nothing looks the same. So what in our life is different because we're walking with the Spirit? Um, and so I remember the time closing out and these ladies have never met me. And at the end of the session, the lady looks at me and she was like, only knew my name because I had a name tag on. She was like, Kylie, we're can I pray for you? I'm feeling prompted to pray for you. I was like, sure. You know, I've been prayed over so many times. I didn't mind. I'll take all the prayer I can get. But um, so they start to, you know, everybody kind of gathers around and puts their hands on my shoulders and head. And and this lady knew nothing about my diagnosis. And she's like, I'm just sensing like God's, God wants to open your eyes to the spirit. God wants to open your eyes to not leave anything unaccessed in the spirit's power, in the spirit's gifts that he offers. And 
She just starts praying. And then one other friend pops in and she's like, and God heal her physical sight too. And the leader's like, can we stop? And everybody looks up and she's like, do you have a diagnosis? And I was like, yeah, retinitis pigmentosa. At this point, I was almost legally blind. I was at like 37%, 35%. And um, she was like, well, then I don't think we're done praying. And so she, we were looking at each other and she had asked what my diagnosis meant. And I said, well, I'm not blind yet. Like I can see you. I can just only see to here. Like this is how small it is. And so she like puts her left hand on my right hand, her right hand on my left hand. And we're looking at each other and she's kneeling down. And she starts to pray. And just like, as she prays, she just very gently is pushing my hands into my peripheral, asking God to restore and heal. And and as she does, it was the wildest experience of like, it was almost like a wave running on the backside of my hands as it went out and out. And it was just like color rushing in and clarity rushing in. And then it was getting bigger and bigger. Like, I mean, I had my hands out right here over my shoulders and I could see my hands in perfect clarity. And mm-hmm. and it was almost disorienting because I didn't realize how small my sight had become. And I knew like instantaneously, I knew I was healed. I had no concept for that. I had no category. I had never seen an instant healing. I've seen like, you know, people go in remission from cancer and these things, but in an instant, I knew everything was different. And so the shock of that moment for me of just like, what happened? Like, I know everything is different. And I remember like screaming out, like, I can see, like, I can see my hands. Oh my goodness. I can see the girl beside me. And like, she's looking so shocked. Like, she's like, what? You know, it's like, everybody was like shocked, but me, me the most. (laughs) (laughs) so it was just wild like I didn't know I couldn't explain what happened wow that is oh it just I've heard your story so many times and every time I'm still just like this is incredible God is amazing and on other podcasts you've been on even your I followed your blog that you wrote out which was incredible and um, we can link to that as well. Yeah, link the blog. Just you writing this story out. I'm just, oh, God is incredible. And and just, I love the joy in your face, Kyle. Just that this is not old news to no. you. Love telling people and proclaiming the power of God. And I think something that's so special about your story is how many times you even use the word invitation words of I I think a lot of times people can see sufferings as punishment and you from the beginning just saw it as, okay, God is extending his hand out to me and he has something for me in this. And I even remember, I have a memory of meeting with you in college. I think we sat down and got coffee. It was still at the kind of early on in your diagnosis. And I think you, you just entered in head first with so much faith and strength and just openness though of okay what is the lord i've been following the lord for years and years and years but now he's inviting me into something even more even deeper and i love i love just even how you you talk about the okay the physical sp- sight versus spiritual sight and as you're 
God had so much more for you than just even your eyesight being restored, which is so powerful. Um, I would love, I would love to know too, when you were talking about people in the room, you know, freaking out, being, how did your family respond? It was so wild because I called John first when I left. Well, first I get to the car and I'm like testing my vision. Like I knew how small it was. I knew that before I could put my hands all out here and see nothing. Like somebody could be their head like right here and I wouldn't see them. So I was like in the car, like, oh, and then I start driving. And I remember thinking this is so distracting because I could see my gear shifter. I could see my door lock. I could see my pants. I'm like, I'm looking at the car in front of me and I can see a million things. This is so much. So I called John and he's like, what? Well, first he answers the phone because it has started to sprinkle. He's like, you need me to pick you up from Bible study, right? Because it's raining. Um, and it's like, no, actually, I need to tell you something. And he's like, oh, okay. I just stepped out of a meeting because I thought you needed a ride. I was like, no, but stay out of the meeting. I need to tell you something. And I told him and he was like, what? Like, he's, are you sure? I was like, I'm sure. He's like, okay, now I know what it feels like. He was like, for, for years, as I've read the Bible, I've judged the disciples. Like I've judged them like, how can you see all these miracles? And then you're like, wait, did that really happen? Or like, wait, is Jesus going to actually do that? You know, it's like, you kind of are like, you just saw Jesus like feed 5,000. And now you're wondering how could he walk on water or do whatever, you know? And he's like, now I realize like, it's like, he's like, I believe you, but why is it so unbelievable? Like, it's almost like, he really did that? Are you sure? Like he was like, but I trust you. So it was funny. We got home. I got we got back together that night after he got home from work. And he was like, You're different. Like you're walking different. And you're and the kids noticed. Like they were helping me with things. They were moving their shoes out of the way because otherwise I was on the floor because I tripped over them. And they were like, Mom, you saw that? You saw that. And then, you know, they were kind of joking, like testing me, like, do you see this? Do you see this? Do you see, you know, doing all this? <laughs> we're holding out two fingers. They were like, wow, what? Like, it was just crazy to, to share that with them because they walked so closely with me. They knew it was different. So it was just so powerful to even think their context of God changed at such an early age by actually physically seeing something change. Like, although my face didn't change or whatever, my experience changed. And because of that, they knew something had changed. Does that make sense? So, you know, and I told my parents and they were like, I've been praying every day for this. Like, this is my answer to prayer. And, you know, it was just really cool to think of the convergence of the body of believers praying. When I prayed one time, you know, my my mom had prayed 700 times and people had prayed that I didn't know and and all this and thinking their prayers were answered and their prayers were a part of that. And I talked to my 12-year-old son and at the time in that night, he said, mom, did you know I'd ask God at least 10 times that you could see me get married? And it was just like, oh, this was your answer to prayer. Like you prayed even more than I did. And so it's just so cool for me to think of the body of Christ accessing heaven on my behalf for this, you know, and then God moving in this way. It was so big for me. I did. It was so overwhelming to think this is what the body of Christ does is, is come together in this way that I wasn't even prepared for. So, you know, it was just wild. 
I there's so much to take from. I mean, first of all, hallelujah. Like just praise yeah. God that he did this. Like he brought it. And it's for you, it's it's such a um we talk about almost questioning healing. It's like you were you could you could see only a small little hole in your sight, and then the Lord's opened up your entire peripheral vision. But the way yeah. that it connects so clearly with like spiritual sight and what the Lord yeah. was doing in your heart through that whole process is amazing. There's a couple of things that you told in your story that I want to highlight. And and then I love, I'm, I'm so thankful uh, that we get to talk now, what, two and a half years later yeah. and have some perspective of like, what does life look like after that? So I want to get there, but yeah. before we, I want to highlight a couple of things from your story. So first is, I thought it was really interesting how you talked about spiritual sight doesn't, it's not just that it expands your vision, but when we lack spiritual sight, we're actually misguided by only seeing physically. So it's not just that, for example, like you were lacking peripheral vision and it made it better when you got your peripheral vision, but you were tripping and stumbling. It was like, it actually distorted my sight. Exactly. Yeah. Very similar the to second power. Kings, that second Kings reference you talked about, that's a perfect analogy of it was it was actually the physical sight was misleading on the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so powerful that sometimes we can think about spiritual sight and think, well, I'm sure there's more to access in terms of spiritual discernment. There's more to see in the spirit. There's more to to be able to discern in the heavenly realm. But it's almost more like what I see now is fine and it's sufficient and it's getting me through. And, you know, it, it's almost bonus to be able to have that access. But what you're saying is, no, no, when we lack that, we're we're not seeing God clearly. Because right. there's so much about your story that, that God was getting at a changed perspective of who he was. He really is that generous. He really is that powerful. He really does love you that much. He really is that personal. Like he... Yeah. He doesn't just have general theology, but he can't. He wanted to go to Kylie and say, "I'm going to walk you through this, and I want to I want to bring you to the there's somebody who will ask you on your behalf, but I want to bring you, daughter, to the point where you ask me." Yeah. And uh, so I think that is amazing. Yeah. So physical sight can mere physical sight can be misleading, but also the, the second piece I want to highlight is God wanted you just to ask. Uh, he He was asking you to ask, is the way you mm-hmm. said. It. God was just asking you to ask. And I wonder how that applies to anyone listening, even me and Cassie, the listener right now of like, where is it that we we almost come up to the threshold of where we believe God's generosity is over our lives? Like what he wants to do in our marriages, what he wants to do in our ministry, what he wants to give us in terms of just joy with him yeah. and life in him. And we're like, I just... I don't want to ask him because just like you said, I, I set myself up for disappointment and the Lord just comes to us and says, no, 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 you cannot overestimate my generosity. You can't overestimate my generosity. And you've seen that firsthand. Um, I, I want to ask, so there's a lot of places we could go to explore this, but so two and a half years later, we, so a little bit of context for me and Kylie. Kylie and I were in the same small group together. And it wasn't like a 25-person small group. It was four families. Yeah. So we, yeah, we had a couple of years of walking together when uh, Kelly and I lived up in uh, Raleigh-Durham. 
But I think we had similar, we've had a little bit similar journeys in the last five years of like coming deeper into fullness of the spirit. And I, the Lord saved me at a young life camp. And I remember um, almost having this conception coming back from young life camp, like this mountaintop moment. And people told me they're like, you know, don't get too caught up in spiritual highs. Like don't get too caught up in spiritual highs. Like they can be misleading. You don't want that enthusiasm. But then as I kept following Jesus, I found that that was like half true. Like in some ways, yes, I needed some endurance for the long haul with the Lord. But in other ways, who I saw him to be on the mountain was actually who he was. And it makes me think of the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter, he sees Jesus on the mountain. And he's like, hey, can we just pitch tents right here? Like, I just want to stay here. And Jesus doesn't let him do that. He's like, no, 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 we can't stay at the place of healing. We can't stay at that ecstatic moment. Like we have to come down to the valley where there's a demon yeah. blood boy and we have to deal with like tough stuff in life, but also still remember I'm capable of that. Remember yeah. that's who I am and never forget. Right. So I'm curious for you, start to talk us, talk to us about almost coming down from that yeah. and getting again into a steady place where you never forgot what God did in some ways that changed the bar of your expectation, but yeah. also you're bracing yourself for a long haul walk with Jesus after that. Yeah. I mean, it changed everything. And you almost go through something like this or this season of suffering and you almost look back and be like, I didn't even know you back then. Like now that I know you in this way, and I know I'll feel that way again in 10 years and in 40 years and all these, just this deepening with Jesus. But it's almost the invitation of my healing was not to focus on like, yes, I got this outcome. Although that outcome is amazing. Like I've already surrendered my sight. So if it, if it goes again next year, that's fine. Like I, what I got was better. And so I think it's not this elevation of the gift. It's this revelation of the giver of like, okay, this is what you have access to in me. Like you were saying this God of abundance in provision and not, not in the outcomes, but in the power and in the closeness and in the, you get to access me in relationship as you walk through all of these things. And honestly, coming out of my healing, we walked through two really painful seasons of parenting, almost back to back and a little bit coinciding with two of our kids. And it was just this invitation to overlay my healing onto that. Like, okay, previous healing, Kylie would have freaked out and managed the symptoms of whatever my kid was going through. And like, okay, we got to deal with the behaviors. We've got to kind of talk about the heart, but we've also really got to stop these dangerous behaviors or whatever it was. And instead it was like, no, no, like we're not going back to physical sight. I know this looks scary with your physical eyes, but instead overlay your healing on top of this. If I am a God who can resurrect cells, dead rods and cones, don't you think I've got your kid's heart? Don't you think I'm working all things for their good as they suffer for me? Like, so it was this like, okay, it was kind of like you're saying, like, remember who I was here and know that I'm also that here. It may not look like the same outcome and it hasn't. I haven't gotten the answer to prayer for one of my kids or I haven't seen it in this way, you know, in an instant way here, but it's been this long walkout of like, sometimes healing will happen in a moment and sometimes healing is a process and it's these ups and downs of like, wait, it's not happening. But then it's like, wait, God's working in those dark places. Like I so comforted by it, both in my diagnosis and in um, post healing about Isaiah 50, 40, Isaiah 45, three. And he talks about um, 
they will have, wait, I'm sorry, Isaiah 45.3. Yeah, I wrote it down so I wouldn't say the wrong thing. It says, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places so that you will know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel summons who summons you by name. And that's what suffering does. It's these dark places where treasure is hidden. And so that was the gift of my healing is I still got the treasure of the spirit and of the intimacy and of the deepened walk that now I can take forward and overlay it. And it's just been so powerful because number one, I haven't forgotten it one day. I wake up and I'm like, everything is different. I I wonder if I'm going to get used to it because I still haven't. I'm like, I can see everything. This is huge. Um, But at the same time, the lesson of the healing was better and deeper than the physical outcome. It was you know, getting to know the Holy Spirit, getting to know, like, and trust, really root my trust, because there's so much difference in saying, I trust you with this, and like getting to a deep place of surrendered trust in a season of suffering. And I think having three teenagers and a 12-year-old has really exposed that in me of like, do I really trust you? Whatever it takes to get a hold of this kid's heart, whatever you walk him through or her through, do I trust you that you're in control and that you're for their good and that you're going to work this out um, as we just wait? Um, So it's really been that overlaying factor of do I trust that God's going to move in power in this way? Do I trust that he's sovereign in this way? Do I trust that he's good? you know, and good for them and good for me. Do I trust Christ in them? Because I think as a parent, it's easy to trust Christ in me sometimes, but then as a parent, like, do I trust Christ in them? Mm. Are they listening? Are they walking? Like, you know, that fear stirs up kind of going back to that sermon, like, oh no, my Lord, what should I do? I should do more devotions with my kids. I should make sure I have this conversation. I should make sure they're in this environment or this school. It's like, no, do I really trust that there's you know, not only a battle for my kid's heart, but I have the weapons to wage against it. And I've seen that in my healing. And so, so many ways it has overlaid in, in, in again, another invitation to like, okay, we're going to go a little deeper. Do you trust me here? Do you trust me here? And things that have happened in our family since have been much harder than my diagnosis. And, but yet again, another invitation, like, it's like that gentleman with his hand out, like, do you want to go with me a little deeper? And it's like, okay, like, I don't know where we're going, but I'm going with you. It sounds like God is really even cultivated in you this heart that's like whether we're walking on the mountaintop or in the valley, like I'm excited that I'm just with you, that I just get to be with you and I'm going to trust you and and follow you. Because I think about even the disciples and I think about how Peter experienced Pentecost and he experienced being imprisoned, you know, and that's, or Paul through the power of the spirit healed so many people and he himself had a thorn in his flesh and was shipwrecked. Just I would love to hear even more in that of how you feel like God has even changed your view of his, his heart for you. And you even mentioned in the, oh, he's asking me to ask as a dot, like I'm a daughter and he's my father. Like even in the, okay, the father's heart for me, how have you continued to see that change or experience that as you keep walking with him? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was really the beauty and almost the fear, honestly, when after I was healed, I was almost like, oh no, like I almost don't, I almost want to go back to that sweet place of daily dependence and daily surrender because of how much I got of the Lord. 
But I think really what he did during that time was like uproot a lot of places that were really my bondage and realizing that he wants us to walk in freedom and he wants us to, and there were so many ways I felt free, but then after coming out of it, I'm like, I was in bondage. Like, you know, I could tell you with my mouth, like, yes, it's not dependent on works and yes, grace. And yes, I'm a daughter and yes, I'm forgiven. But I think somewhere in there, there was a little stuff that needed to be uprooted of like, yeah, but you kind of rely on yourself. Yeah. But you kind of rely on your works. Yeah. But you kind of think God's this displeased father. Who's like, you can uncross my arms if you pray right. And, and do these things and serve me in this way. Like I would have never, I would have been able to tell you four years ago, I didn't think that, but realizing he needed to uproot some places and areas of my life where I was gripping control. I was misbelieving who he was. I was not believing he was good. I was believing he wasn't with me or for me. And so it was just this uncovering of like, okay, can I show you right here? You're believing that. Can I show you right here? You're believing that. And so it was even though sometimes it felt painful to press into those places where I was seeing God wrongly, it also was became my freedom of like, oh, praise God, I'm not stuck there anymore. And I didn't even realize how that was keeping me from fuller life and freedom and an understanding of grace. And although I clearly don't understand grace now, it's just, it was more revelation and more revelation. And that was that spiritual sight widening. And Praise God, that's our whole life. It's going to be a continued spiritual sight widening because we can't grasp all of who he is. Um, but in his kindness, like that's why I keep thinking, like his kindness leads us to repentance, not his punishment, not his look, here it is again. I can't believe you're still struggling here. But instead, like, I want more for you. I want freedom for you. So let me show you one more spot where, you know, you're just believing a lie and realizing that the enemy's coming at us every day with lies and we can either agree with it and walk in that or we can rebuke it and walk in the spirit and that's what we have access to in this spiritual fight is we have access to the spirit who's seated in victory and walking us in power through it and do i really use the weapons i've been given as each new spiritual battle comes up do i just say what should i do and access my power and strength or am I accessing spiritual power and strength? Mm. I look back on Kylie I, five years ago, six years ago, and already by the grace of God, you were you were passionate about the Lord. Like I remember, passionate about the Bible. I remember sitting around sitting around the living room and digging into Galatians for uh, yeah. printed out sheets of Galatians and studying them with our families and. You loved the Lord. You were devoted. Um, and also the Lord had given you a lot of ministry opportunity, like especially like Cassidy saying, already you were pouring into college students. But I I just can see in you like there is a there's a deeper assurance, there's a deeper strength. There's I mean, no better way to say it than there's an expanded vision. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. Why has this been better? Because, and uh, not the healing, because of course, like the healing, that's obvious in the ways that that makes life better, but the spiritual side, because you've also talked about things, something's getting harder. You're yeah. seeing the work of the enemy more, suffering coming in, in yeah. deeper ways. 
why has it been better and and how has it changed the way that you've even ministered to people since your healing? Yeah. So many ways. I mean, that's such a layered answer for me of like both out of our house and in our house and, you know, thinking like I can sit with people in grief so well. I know what it feels like to sit there and say like, okay, God, I'll give it up. I'll give up my sight. I'll give up what I thought was going to be that disappointment of, you know, how you planned your life to be. And I'm such a planner. And so it's just like, okay, like, you know, so I can sit with people in the disappointments. I can sit with people in the grief. But at the same time, I think the gift is the pressures off and this living in release of, I don't have to manage my circumstances. I don't have to do the right thing. I don't have to, you know, orchestrate the right environment to get the right outcome. It's just, I just have to ask my dad, like I get to walk Mm -hmm. with him and trust that he's got it. And so, you know, we walked right into about six months later, like this massive court case with one of our kids walking through abuse and and her invitation to speak up and speak truth. And we didn't get the outcome. And so we've had to surrender a lot of those things of like, you know, I think even one of the lies I believe earlier was like, okay, if I do the right thing, I'll get the right result. Like God will almost reward my obedience. But instead it's like, God's been asking me to define things differently. Like, can you you know, I define good bigger than you do, Kylie. I define justice bigger than you do. And would you trust me if justice doesn't look like what you think? Would you trust me if the outcome doesn't look like what you think? And would you trust me that I'm working these circumstances for your kids good, even in the middle of the worst suffering as a parent to walk through? I told my daughter, I was like, I would I would walk through my diagnosis 20 times over and even the worst diagnosis you could give me if I could take this from you. And I couldn't. It's like the very thing I didn't want to happen to your kid happened. And so, and then to walk that out through just such a painful journey in the legal process and it just being in your face over and over again and then getting that outcome was just a stab to the gut, not only as a parent, but watching my kid go through it. But watching her cling to the Lord, it's been that reminder of that's been one of God's invitations to overlay healing again. Like, do you trust that if if it's easy for me to resurrect your sight, that I've got this girl's heart, I've got this girl's faith. I know just like Job, my, my daughter is not going to turn away. She will worship in the middle of this. And like, do you trust me that kind of trust? But even if the circumstances aren't pointing to the outcome you think is good, do you trust my definition of good is bigger than yours? And so it's been that release is now I can walk through really painful circumstances and not just freak out like this is going to mess my kids up in this way and they're going to go off course or what if this, what if this? Instead, it's like kind of the servant of Elisha. I'm not going to focus on that. That's panic and that's self-sufficiency. Instead, I'm going to say, God, will you open my eyes to see what's actually happening here? And will you allow me to step in at the spiritual level, not the behavior level, not the circumstantial level? If you want me to engage, will you? And realizing that's a minute by minute walk with the spirit to ask him to listen. Do you want me to speak? Do you want me to be quiet? But the pressure's off of me where before it was like, do the right thing, say the right thing. Don't mess up. If you, if you say the wrong thing, they could go off course. Like that's living under pressure and bondage to your performance. Instead, like trusting my kids' spiritual outcomes to the Lord, like salvation belongs to the Lord, like not me. 
So it's a, it's a way to live with the pressure off. And that's the gift is God's given me that sight to just say like, you're not powerful enough to do this. You're not powerful enough to mess them up royally. And you're not powerful enough to heal them, save them, any of that. Only me, like access me. And so it's just a gift to walk through life with that pressure off, with that, with the hands open, with surrender and trust, even though it's hard to get to that place, it's also the best way to walk, if that makes sense. Definitely. It sounds, I just hear even the freedom in your voice in the, the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom of you saying, okay, I'm letting this go. I'm letting these things go, but you're letting them go to the God who is the same God who spoke creation into existence and his spirit hovered over the waters and who parted the, you know, these Right. Red sea moments, and then also walking in the wilderness with him. Just he is that God who is with us. Um, and I love that it you just following the spirit has just changed the way that you are a mom or a mom to your kids. So you minister to others. It seems like okay, it's changed everything about my life. What is something even or I'm curious, even in that how has it changed your expectation of God? Because even in your story, God, yes, there's so many people praying and praying for months and months and months, but God, he healed you in just a moment. You know, it was just one moment you were almost blind and the next you could see. And yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about just how even yeah, walking with the spirit, how your journey just has changed your expectation of God. In so many ways. I think, you know, what, one of the funny things about after my healing was I wondered, was my experience just different, but my scans would show up like how they used to be, or did something change? And so I, I see a guy at Duke every three months. And so my three months came up, um, you know, around June, I had been, or May, end of May, I was healed March 31st. And so, um, you know, going to him, I'm like, what's he going to say? You know, so I go in, they're like, your pressures are dropped there from 22 down to 14. That's normal. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I tell my nurse, I'm like, well, I was healed. Like God. And she's like, what really? Like, I was like, yes, really. So then I get sent to retinal imaging and they're like, your retina regenerated. Like this is what my doctor said seven times its thickness. Like it de- the disease degenerates your retina. So it gets paper thin and it regenerated. Like he compared my January scan to my May scan and it was like seven times thicker. So it was just like cells regenerated, you know, and I told my doctor and he said, I told him the whole story and he's this Italian, amazing, um, like top of his field guy. And he said, well, that's an intangible I can't measure. And I was just like, oh, you're missing it. Like it's right there for you. You see all the results. Then he was like, but I want to see you back in three months because I'm going to run a battery of tests on you. I was like, okay, I'll see you in September. (laughs) So, and then in September comes and he does the full test where it's like, okay, where's your vision at? You know, I was at 36%. Where is it? And he was like, I can't really read your results today. I was like, why? I want to see my scan. And he was like, I'm I'm just going to have the nurse come in. I was like, no, can you tell me like, what does it say? And he's like, you're normally sighted. I was like, what? He's <laughs> like, you're normally sighted. I was like, you mean like, and John was, I was like, like John, and it would be the equivalent of John's peripheral vision. He's like, 
yep, I'll see you in three months. And it was like this resistance, like you didn't want to believe it. I was like, I will see you again in three months. <laughs> so it's just been, you know, there's obviously you're going to come into people who don't believe. And it's almost like that. I think it's either first Corinthians or second Corinthians, like spirit taught wisdom and spiritual things don't look foolish to the world. And so I recognize that this looks foolish to the world. This looks foolish to science, even though he's looking at the results that are different in a field where there's no progress with this. There's no cure. There's no progress. And it's always degenerating. And so, you know, realizing that, okay, God's even got him. And how do you want me to step into this man's life? But I think where the expectation comes is like, okay, you still act in these ways. I don't understand healing. I don't understand the people who aren't healed. I don't understand how God responds. But all I know is if God would have healed me on week one, it would have been to my detriment. Like it would have been worse for me because he offered to me so much more in that. And so that's the only explanation I can figure is like, he's good and he knows what's best. And so while I expect that he can move in ways beyond our imagination in healing, in salvation, in anything, he also, his like my understanding is too small. I'm still this, you know? He's bigger than I can imagine. So when I don't, when I see something and he doesn't act in the way that I think, oh, a powerful God should act, it's also like, okay, well, he has bigger understanding than me there. He has a bigger perspective. He has the 30,000 foot view and I'm at five feet. Like I have to trust that God has a bigger, better view. And so I think really it has caused me also to not want to settle for less in the spiritual world. Like, if this is really how God acts, why does our church not look different? Why does why do believers not believe God in the way that He moves in even as we look in the Gospels and in Acts? Why are we not expecting those moves of God? And does it change if we pray these moves of God into existence? You know, it's just so it's not like, oh, I've reached this place of understanding that now I understand how God heals and how God moves. But it's like, I don't want to leave anything on the table of a God who moves in immeasurably bigger ways than I can expect. And so it's allowed me to pray bigger prayers, ask bolder things. And in some ways, I've seen even bolder answers. And in some ways, I haven't seen a move at all in those areas yet. But that doesn't diminish my trust that he still has this bigger, better, bolder move that he's orchestrating in a bigger way than I can understand with my small sight. Yeah. Can you uh, kind of double click on the pursuit element that you're talking about in terms of, it sounds like the Holy, the Holy spirit in that moment, you talked about almost being re reintroduced or introduced to the third person of the Trinity and meeting him. And there's some people that have an experience and it's almost like Hezekiah when he's healed and it's this moment of desperation and then there's healing and then there's a slip back into apathy afterward. And I see in you by the grace of God that it really was a spark of a flame that you've seen second Timothy one fan into flame, the gift of God, that it needs to be fanned into flame. And especially for people listening that they're, they're hungering for more of the Holy spirit but maybe haven't had the experience that you've had, or maybe they have, and they're they're kind of in the aftermath of it and not knowing, okay, how do we move from 
this spark or this moment um, into a fanning into flame. So really practically, what does that look like for you to sow into this new friendship with the Holy Spirit over the last couple of years? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like I can't go back. I'm sure I could if I just ignored him or something like that. But once I've been introduced to who he is in the level that he showed me in this deeper intimacy place, I don't want anything else. Like, I only want more. And so it's like this, and it's almost the same of the healing. It's like, will you ask for more of me? Will you ask for more revelation of my spirit? Like, if the Holy Spirit is is our helper, you know, I always think of the verse, I think it's in John 16, where Jesus is like, it's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit, the helper can come. And I'm like, I used to always say, like, oh, if I just had Jesus beside me, I would know exactly what to do. Or if I just had Jesus in the flesh, I would feel so sure or whatever. And it's like, no, Jesus actually said, it's better that you have the Holy Spirit than me in the flesh. And so am I accessing that gift that he's given that he says is better than him in the flesh, which is mind boggling. But it's like, okay, you have access to a helper. You have access to a comforter. You have access to the revelation of truth. You have access to someone who um, reveals the mystery of God. You have access to someone who speaks. You have access to someone who, you know, just walks with you and and gives you spiritual sight. And so it's like, why would I turn that away? And so instead of like, oh, I think it's easy sometimes to slip back into like, things are good. We're coasting. And that's almost a dangerous place for me is when everything's good because it is harder to remember that dependence. But I think it goes back to that daily question of of asking, can I have more of you? Can I see more of you? Can I? Can you show me more of who you are? Can you show me more of who I am in you? And so it's that that practice of dependence, even if you don't feel dependent. And, you know, really surrendering my feelings. Like you're talking about the mountaintop thing, like, oh, it's half true. Like, okay, yes, my feelings can point out something going on, but my feelings aren't always true. And so God help me like reconcile this feeling and who you are. And so I just think it's this continual asking for more. I think of the verse in Luke 11 that talks about like, if your kid asks you for bread, are you going to give him a stone? If he asks you for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? And I used to always think of the Matthew translation, like, so the father gives good gifts to his children. But the Luke translation is the whole gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so I think just ask, like that was the invitation of my diagnosis. Just ask, like, don't worry about the outcome. I got the outcome, but I got a lot of me to give to you. And then the more you come to me, the more I feel. And the more you come to me, the more I journey with you and I speak and and just recognizing like, do we even believe that God still speaks? And do we even believe that God wants to walk with us through these circumstances? Like laying aside those lies and asking God, show me where I'm not believing God, show me where I'm believing a lie or not seeing you correctly. So I think it's this continual journey of curiosity with the Lord of just asking to see, asking for more of him. You know, we had a, our, one of our kids walk through a season of temptation and like, I don't want to focus on the behavior. I want to see, I want to see the spirit here. Like, where are you moving? How can I partner with you? How do you want me to move? And so it's like, are you going to stay here in the circumstances or are you going to go deep with the Lord? And I think that's, sometimes it's just one question. So I really, I mean, obviously it's like spend time in the word and spend time with the people of God, but also just ask, you know, so it sounds 
pretty yeah, simple. He, but. He's a person, and I mean, he's someone we can talk to, not yeah. this vague force, but he he is the spirit of Jesus. Like we can right. we can speak to the Holy Spirit, we can hear from the Holy Spirit, and you see him working in that way in the Book of Acts. And I see in your story, Kylie. And this is, it's similar to um, different kind of moments of of the power, but but similar in the sense of when the Lord just kind of rocked my life with the spirit of Jesus four years ago, what he started to teach me was you're going to have moments of a mighty wind. The way to sow to the spirit is to give Thanks for those moments of like mighty wind, Pentecost, upper room kind of thing, but to but to be sensitive and respond to the slightest breeze. And to be sent. So for you, I see it in the sense of God gave this big moment of healing over your sight, also came with this big moment of um spiritual expanding. But something a, a pattern through your testimony is God kept healing. God kept digging in and he kept going deeper and deeper in the heart. Hey, Kyle, let's, let's talk about that. And would you ask me about that? Okay. Let's, let's talk about that. Wound. Let's talk about maybe that uh, stronghold of control. Can we talk about that? And as he kind of kept in, in smaller and subtle, more stories, but equally significant ways kept digging in that those were the little breezes that gave you the opportunity. Am I going to respond to him? Am I going to continue to say yes to his invitation or am I going to grieve the Holy spirit? And, and, and another thing that you said earlier on the conversation that I just highlight is you said it's even, it's more than the moment. It's that the moment gave a revelation, a revelation of who God is. And if the moment gave a revelation of who God is, then that revelation sticks yeah. Every moment of the day beyond that moment. Right. Yeah. That's the treasure I get to keep. Like, okay, I don't even care about my site anymore. Like I got all this treasure from this season that I can't lose. So who cares about my site? Like you would think that that was the greatest gift of that time for me. It's inconsequential. Like I already recognize healing healing's temporary. Like I'm still dying. Lazarus still died. He was mm-hmm. resurrected and healed and he still died. He actually was persecuted because of this healing, you know, but at the same time, healing's temporary until heaven. So it's really not the the best thing about it. It's these treasures I got in the dark places with the Lord of wrestling with him and him giving more of himself. And you're so right. It's just like this continuous overlaying of, okay, now here, now here. And so that's the gift. Mm-hmm. I love, I love just in your story, how much God, God asks you to ask, you know, he asks you to ask for healing and that outcome, but even more than you're at, you were after the outcome, you were after the heart of the father and, oh, Kylie, I'm so encouraged by, I I feel like we could keep going on and on, on this call about just all that the Lord, he's done so many things in, in your life. I'm like, we could have a part two, a part three, a part four so much because, Oh, he's, he is that great. And I just, I'm so excited for people listening to this right now. I I really think people are just going to hear, okay, what it, this, if I'm on the, whether they're on the mountaintop or on the valley, what is God inviting me into right now? What does he have for me? That's even greater than 
whatever the the outcome of this could be. Um, and I, I think about David. Scripture says he was after the Father's heart, and mm-hmm. you're just after the Father's mm-hmm. heart. And it's so encouraging to me. And I just know so many people listening to this right now are just going to walk away even more expectant, even more excited, whether they're in that that valley or that mountaintop. Yeah, yeah. Bible, let's end with, I'd love for you to share any final words that people listen in terms of how to pursue this because people hearing your story, anyone listening to this is, is saying, praise God, that is amazing. Okay, I'm so happy and excited that the Lord did that for Kylie and all this transformation. I'm just imagining some people hearing this saying like, but I don't have that intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I I don't know how to experience that. And I'm not really going through any kind of, you know, big crisis in life. If someone's kind of in that middle place and they're saying, I want this, but I don't even know how to take steps toward that kind of intimacy. Um, what, how would you encourage them? And then also just feel free to any other encouragement, exhortation, anybody listening. Yeah. I mean, I really think it all begins with prayer. And I think so often it's like, well, I just need to read my Bible more and get in a small group. And and it can go to that, almost that servant reaction of like, what should I do? Yeah. But it's really just connect with your father. Like just pray, just ask, just ask him to reveal places where you're in bondage. Ask him to reveal places where wounds are keeping you from seeing him as father. Ask him, you know, that's what's so cool. I think about uh, one of the rules of the Holy Spirit says he's the revealer of truth. I'm like, I'm just not sitting down to read my Bible. I get to sit down indwelt with the Holy Spirit who I get to ask for help to read the Bible. Because if I read it on my own strength, I'm like, yeah, good for today. Close. I didn't get anything out of that. No, I'm sitting down indwelt with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of revealer of truth. So, okay, we're going to sit down and read the Bible. Holy Spirit, show me what you have. Show me what you want me to see. Where are places that I'm having strongholds or sin is keeping me from seeing you clearly? Or what are good things that are entangling me? I think of Hebrews 12, 1, throwing off just what's entangling me, not just sin, but good things. You know, And so just having that conversation in prayer, journaling, expecting God to speak, expecting God to move, and, and really reading, you know, reading the Bible with the spirit instead of by yourself. So, and, and same with praying, praying with the spirit. Okay. I don't know what to say. I don't know where I'm struggling. I don't know what to do here, but I spirit, would you speak and spirit, would you guide me? And so I think it's just that communion with the father of whether it be in prayer or in the word or both, but remembering that you are indwelt with the spirit. I also, I used to think it was so cool that Mary got to hold Jesus like in her as a mom. And then I think, hello, that's all of us. We all get to hold the spirit inside of us. And what a gift. And do we recognize that gift? Or do we just kind of go through our day? Like I got to do these things. I got to do these things. I got to go to this meeting and have this conversation. No, we're walking indwelt with the resurrection power. Are we accessing that? Do we know what we're walking with? Or are we just kind of like at the mercy of our circumstance and calendar? So um, just my, I I guess it's a simple challenge, but that he's better. He's better than circumstances. He's better than suffering. He's better than mountaintops. He's better than the outcome or the reward. Like he is the reward. And so dig in and lean in and commune and abide with him. Like that's the the best gift. And I know that there's days where you don't feel it and there's, but it's like, okay, my feelings aren't true. 
I'm going to lean in Mm -hmm. because you are true. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, and a probably very cliche verse that really came to life for me through this is second Corinthians four, 16 through 18. Like, Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day for these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. So keep asking the Lord, like, where am I fixing my eyes on the temporary? Where am I fixing my eyes on what I can see and control? And the enemy's going to, as you fix your eyes on that, he's going to tighten your grip and elevate your anxiety. Like we just got to muscle through this and I got to do better and fix this. No, like where are my, where's my gaze fixed on the temporary? Um, so those have been just some rich, rich lessons for me. Yeah, as we're wrapping this up, I imagine there are people listening who already the enemy is, is getting a whisper in the ear and saying, that's for Kylie or that's for Joey, that's for Cassidy that's not me. I'm not, I'm, I'm more cynical. I'm more skeptical. I'm not as spiritual. I don't really feel my faith and the enemy can come. And I mean, he can just like he did in the garden come and just kind of slither in and whisper and talk about how God's promises don't apply to us, how God's, how how God's goodness isn't for us. And no, it, he does have more goodness, more mercy, more power, more joy than you could ask or imagine. But often the difference is he, he just wants you to ask. And yeah. that's that's the the invitation of Luke 11. If you then or evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Yeah. So let that challenge from Kylie, like hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, just saying, I just want you, I want to ask you to ask. And I imagine there's something that God is pressing on your heart. You're saying, I want to ask, but I also don't want to be disappointed. Let us as your sisters and your brother exhort you. No, no, no. Press through that and ask God because he really is that good. Kylie, it's been so encouraging talking. I, I see in you the heart of a different Mary, the one who met Jesus outside the tomb of Lazarus. And she worshiped before she saw a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but, but Jesus came to her in her worship before the miracle and said, no, 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 I, I am the resurrection and the life today. Yeah. And God has empowered you to, yes, have, have faith leading up to the miracle, but wow, the power of God in the aftermath is, is giving glory to Jesus. And I know is going to even change the lives through this episode. So we're so thankful for you. Well, uh, for those listening and want to learn more about Kylie and even read that blog post and, other things that Kyle's putting out, we'll put links in the show notes to all of um, Kylie's resources. Kylie, we're so thankful for you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for your time. Praying for everybody listening, for sure.